The seven-game losing streak is snapped. The Sacramento Kings return home after an 0-5 Eastern Conference road trip, and they host an Eastern Conference team, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in the Brooklyn Nets, and defeat them. Doesn't matter that Kevin Durant didn't play because we know the Kings typically struggle against teams missing their stars, but the Kings do well to make life difficult for Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Get the W. It's a breath of fresh air, and Davion Mitchell continues to be incredible Incredibly impressive as a starter with De'Aaron Fox continuing to miss time with his ankle injury. We'll talk about the impressiveness of Davion Mitchell, the potential long-term pairing of Mitchell and Halliburton in a starting lineup together, and a whole lot more. Let's see if I can remember how to talk about a win here on the Locked On Kings podcast. <laughs> You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of your Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com, use promo code NBA, or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports media member for the last seven years. This is my eighth season covering Kings basketball, formerly with Sports 1140 KHDK Radio, now with ABC 10 News and Television. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was not expecting to host a positive Locked on Kings podcast tonight. I was not expected to talk about a Kings win over the Brooklyn Nets, even when we knew uh, well ahead of time that Kevin Durant was not going to be playing uh, in this game against the Kings. Look, I know that the Nets came into this meeting against Sacramento on a five-game losing streak, having played the night before. That being said, I expected this to be a perfect get-right game opportunity for the Nets, and I guarantee you they were looking at this game as such. Hey, we're on a losing streak right now. We're struggling, but we're taking on the Sacramento Kings, and we know that the uh, the Kings shouldn't be too difficult for us to be able to defeat and turn our, our, our night around. And The Kings got off to a decent start. Game was pretty back and forth, and the Nets took, I think, up to a 10 or 11-point lead. They looked like they were in the driver's seat for a while for the majority of the second and third quarters. And then late in the third, Kings made a little bit of a push and then dominated, really, uh, the the fourth quarter. Kings looked like a completely different team, especially on the offensive end of the floor uh, in the uh, fourth quarter. I'm going to talk about that, the adjustments, the differences that I saw specifically happening off the ball with the Kings offense between the first three quarters uh, and the fourth quarter. We'll get to that later. Plus, I want to talk about the great play of Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones and how they've continued to stay ready, how the Kings really built that fourth quarter push off of the backs of an effort that we have not seen from this Kings team uh, in quite some time. But I want to make sure I'm talking about Davion Mitchell first and foremost, because since De'Aaron Fox has been out, and I believe this was his sixth straight game that he missed uh, with his ankle soreness. And that's a whole nother conversation in itself. And a lot of people have been um, speculating about why Fox is missing time. Is he actively choosing to stay out? Is uh, uh, Are the, the Kings holding him out in an effort to raise their chances of losing games. I think De'Aaron actually was asked about it at shoot around either today or at um, uh, during practice yesterday. 
And uh, De'Aaron basically kind of dismissed the idea um, and, and considered it foolish and, and fabricated that he was intentionally choosing to sit out and was completely healthy and, and not playing. Although uh, it sounds like the Kings have allowed De'Aaron to make some of the decisions in terms of the pain tolerance, which is really how it should be. If, if De'Aaron's waking up with pain and doesn't feel like he should go, he should have a say uh, in that, of course. Um, no word on if he's been medically cleared to play or not, and he's just choosing not to. Regardless, he hasn't been playing for a while. And I personally, based off of my understanding of De'Aaron Fox, the athlete, De'Aaron Fox, the competitor, De'Aaron Fox, the personality. Now, I don't know the guy that personally. We've had a few conversations that have nothing to do with basketball and mostly to do with video games, but I wouldn't call De'Aaron Fox a friend. I wouldn't say that I know um, who Fox is as a person beyond the, the professional athlete. But what I do know of De'Aaron Fox, I don't believe that he is actively choosing to not play games that he is basically quitting uh, and just counting his money and sitting on the bench while his teammates are actually still out there fighting and, and playing, especially when Tyrese Halliburton is still out there fighting and playing. So I don't really believe that is the case. I think that's kind of a, a silly narrative at this point in time, but if you want to run with that, Feel free to. I'm not going to change your mind. Regardless, Fox hasn't been playing, and Davion Mitchell has stepped up uh, in his stead and has been impressive, even though the Kings have really, really struggled during that five-game road trip. He was a bright spot in some of those games, but he was really, really good tonight for the Sacramento Kings. A lot to like from Davion Mitchell. The aggressiveness that he's playing with on both ends of the floor uh, is, is beautiful to see. He's looking for that shot and finding success with that shot, especially in the mid-range. He's showing off the ball handling that he possesses that, quite frankly, I didn't realize that he possessed uh, using his quick first step, using a, a couple of behind-the-back uh, dribbles and some crafty dribbling uh, to create enough separation to either draw a defender and find an open man or, or get to a spot on the floor that he really likes, which is around that mid-range jumper. He played 35 minutes tonight, uh, finished with 18 points on 8 of 19 shooting. Uh, he did take eight three-point attempts, only hit two of them for 25%. The percentage is not great, but I'm okay with Mitchell letting him fly a little bit and trying to uh, get comfortable with that shot because, of course, another evolution of, of his game as a NBA point guard, especially an undersized point guard, is to be able to space the floor better uh, than he uh, is able to do. But then, of course, on the defensive end, we know what Davion Mitchell can provide, and uh, he made life pretty difficult uh, to say the least, for Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie finished with 14 points, 5 of 15 shooting, didn't spend the entire night being guarded by Davion, but we know what's Kyrie known for. What's his bread and butter? He's known as a crafty dribbler that can break down defenses and get by basically everyone, and he did get by uh, Davion a, a couple of times, of course. Davion wasn't perfect defensively in this game, but Davion also did a phenomenal job working hard, making that extra effort to stay in front of Kyrie, frustrate Kyrie and not allow him to get the separation that he's used to. And we also know that Kyrie is not a player that necessarily likes contact. He's usually pretty good because of his craftiness of being able to avoid contact and then finishing around the rim. Davion was bumping him a little bit. Davion was making sure that Kyrie was feeling his presence and that clearly had an effect on Kyrie. Uh, so got to give him praise there. Of course, the way I looked at it is trying to look at it from the perspective of a team that obviously is not good right now, a team that has decisions to make when it comes to their future, but a team that also reportedly has committed to De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton as still their, their core to going forward, their starting backcourt going forward. 
Davion Mitchell, the first thing that I got to say is the guy is continuing to work hard and outwork almost anybody, everybody, not just on his team, but on the floor, despite the Kings season being in an absolute gutter. And it's not just this game. He's been playing hard and working hard throughout that entire five game uh, losing streak road trip. He's been working on a night in night out basis and showing a little more of what he can do with more minutes and more responsibility as a starter. And I give him complete credit for that. I think a starting backcourt of Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton could actually work. You need more scoring from Tyrese overall. And and actually Halliburton had a rough shooting night in this game finished with 12 points, but I think only had two points early on in the fourth quarter or heading into the fourth quarter had a a rough night shooting five of 15, but did finish with a double, double 11 assists also had four steals. So Tyrese still had a solid game. It just wasn't the game that you would expect offensively from Tyrese, especially when the Kings are missing De'Aaron Fox and actually winning. Um, that being said, if a, if a Mitchell Halliburton backcourt is going to work together, you need more scoring out of, uh, out of, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. You need more overall defense out of Tyrese Halliburton, and then you need more three point shooting out of Davion Mitchell. So it's not a guaranteed set in stone, something that can work, but we've seen the two are able to play off of each other and look pretty comfortable playing with each other, despite their limited minutes together. So I can acknowledge that while also saying that Davion Mitchell cannot replace De'Aaron Fox. Like there is no way that you can look at Fox's production. Fox is important to this team and say, yeah, you can take him out and put Davion Mitchell in that spot and you're going to be just fine. It's, it's completely different. Davion Mitchell's game is very, very different from De'Aaron Fox. I mean, we know that even if Mitchell has had an effective game tonight offensively and had an effective few games offensively, Davion Mitchell cannot do half of the things that Fox can do on the offensive end of the floor, but he makes up for it. Of course, with the consistent nightly effort that he gives defensively that Fox will only do from time to time. And I know that's a frustration uh, for Kings fans about De'Aaron Fox. And that's been something that we've talked about plenty of times over Fox's entire career here on Locked on Kings. What I want to say is this. I liked the Halliburton and Mitchell starting backcourt. I think it has potential. I think it's not a horrible option, maybe only short-term option. I don't know about long-term. It's not a horrible option if the Kings were to move in a different direction and move on from De'Aaron Fox, which I think at this point is highly, highly unlikely. De'Aaron Fox, I'd say, is like a 98% chance of still being a Sacramento King come February 11th. But let's also take a step back and let's enjoy a win like this, a very needed win like this, snapping a seven-game losing streak. Let's enjoy it without immediately firing off the hot take guns and hot take cannons and saying the Kings are better with Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton as their starting backcourt. They're better without De'Aaron Fox as if the Kings didn't just lose five straight without De'Aaron Fox, two of those five games being absolute blowouts with Davion Mitchell playing pretty decently. So let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. It's okay to be excited about what we've seen out of Davion Mitchell as a starter. He's making the absolute most of his opportunities. That's what you want to see out of a rookie. It's okay to like the idea of Mitchell and Halliburton as a backcourt, but let's not pretend that the Kings are better without Fox. Let's not pretend that Davion Mitchell is a De'Aaron Fox replacement because he's really not, but we can still celebrate what Mitchell has done. And you can see why the Kings valued him and took him at number nine, despite the fact that they already had two established guards in Fox and Halliburton. And maybe Davion Mitchell is raising his trade value. Although I would, I too would be very surprised Uh, if the Kings were to move on from him. We do have to talk about 
how the Kings played in the fourth quarter. I want to I want to talk about the distinct differences I noticed off the ball between the Kings in the first three quarters and the fourth quarter. Talk about Metu and Jones. Even talk a little bit about Buddy Heald. I have some positivity and some praise to give Buddy Heald's way. I'm going to get that to that in a little bit. Plus, at the end of the podcast, I want to talk about fan attendance. It was another relatively empty night in the Golden One Center. And naturally, that got picked up on social media and that caused some for lack of a better term, clueless NBA fans outside of Sacramento to question the fan support here. And I have something briefly that I want to say about that because it's really not worth more than just a a couple minutes of my and your time. That's all still to come. Uh, But right now, today's episode of the Locked on Kings is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is easy to use. It is such a fun daily fantasy sports option out there for you. In fact, probably the easiest and best daily fantasy sports uh, option for you out there. If you're looking for daily fantasy options for the NBA specifically, you need to try the award-winning app, Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I love this app. It's my favorite way to play fantasy basketball. Basketball now, without a doubt, because it's so easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over/under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. I'm not playing against anybody else; just me versus the house, basically. But the house doesn't have a massive advantage on me. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, so it's super quick. I can recognize, hey, Davion Mitchell's having a good night tonight, and take the over on his scoring numbers. Price Picks is safe. They offer fast withdrawals, so you'll get your money when you win. Uh, and you can use their award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Right now, Price Picks also offers a, a variety of options. Uh, every prop that you can think of in the NBA, from points scored to rebounds to steals, and and so many more. And, and then, of course, you can use Price Picks to bet on football games, other sporting events, and you can do that at the same time. Mixed sport entries at the same time is one of the great things uh, that Price Picks allows as well. For a limited time, Price Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our Locked On Kings lose, uh, users and listeners. You can get fifty dollars for free. If a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, it's that easy. It's it's a free 50 bucks. It's going to happen. But you must use code NBA to get that money. Again, use promo code NBA to get $50 free if a player scores a single point in your first entry. Make sure you are taking advantage of that deal and have some fun. Win some money with prize picks. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast also brought to you by TurboTax. It is tax season. And I know that's stressful and chaotic for many of us. Maybe it's terrifying for you. Like, quite honestly, it's terrifying for me. I know nothing when it comes to taxes. Uh, and I have a constant fear that I'm doing things wrong, filling out my taxes wrong, that I'm going to be audited. And even if I look forward to those massive returns, every single year or even basic small returns every single year. That extra bit of cash sometimes is not worth the hassle and the stress of tax season. Well, TurboTax is there to help make things as simple as possible. It has helped me and my family out, especially now that we are new parents and adding that whole layer uh, to our taxes situation. Tax experts at TurboTax, they love your unusual circumstances and your complicated taxes. That's what they're there for. They want to take on that challenge and do it for you. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need. And if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them. They'll do it all for you without you having to worry. 
TurboTax Live experts, they love an interesting life, and that can mean an even greater refund. They can find each and every single way to maximize the amount of money that you're getting out of your tax return. Be sure to visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it. TurboTax Live. How many times on the Locked on Kings podcast this season have I talked about, we know the Kings defense is bad and was supposed to be bad. We were hoping it would be a little bit better than what it was last season, but we knew it was not going to be good. But the offense, the offense, we've always had high expectations for. We were told the offense was going to be fine and it hasn't lived up to that. Well, I'm going to continue that conversation a little bit today, even after a Kings win, but from kind of a different perspective. When we watch offense, most of the time we pay attention to the guy who has the ball. And of course you need the ball to score. But what happens off the ball offensively has a significant effect on two things. One, the pace of the game. And two, the overall quality of a shot or scoring opportunity that you have. And it's not just a King's problem because the Brooklyn Nets did this a lot tonight as well. They did it a ton in the fourth quarter when everybody was just standing around watching James Harden, who was terrible tonight, and uh, Kyrie Irving just chuck up threes and shoot themselves out of the game. But it frustrates me how often I watch the Kings on offense, especially in the half-court offense. Watch what happens off the ball. Watch one player. Watch every player. Just don't pay attention to the guy holding the ball because with the exception of maybe one other guy, a big man setting a screen for the ball handler, the Kings movement offensively is normally minimal at best. And what I mean by that is you have guys standing around the perimeter, just kind of floating and hovering and waiting for the ball, paying attention, but not doing anything more. Now there's a fine line between spacing the floor and giving your guard room to operate or your big room to operate on the inside, not clogging the paint and, and, and giving yourself as much space as possible to run an eff- effective offense. That's just modern NBA offensive theory and strategy. But that's a there's a big difference between that and standing on the perimeter, basically with your hands in your pockets, stepping out of the play, removing yourself from the play and making life as easy on your defender as possible. This is something that the Kings do too many times to where their defenders barely have to work. If you watch, and I'll use Harrison Barnes as an example. It's not just him. It's not just Buddy Heald. It's not just any one guy. But let's say Harrison Barnes is standing in the corner. That's where you want Harrison Barnes for a kickout. Except Barnes stands in the corner and kind of watches while on the other end of the floor, Tyrese or Davion are trying to dribble their way into a maybe a mid-range jumper or get to the rim or they're running some kind of set on the far end of the floor. All it takes is Harrison, and normally he makes this play, all it takes is Harrison moving up towards the wing or towards the top of the key while things are happening down here, baseline in the far corner, to change the look. Or even Harrison recognizing when a defender is paying attention to the action on the other end of the floor, seeing if he needs to help or not, cutting back door, cutting baseline, or going up to the wing, trying to change the look, force the defender into making a decision. This is something that the Kings do not do enough. And it makes it incredibly easy to defend. Incredibly easy. And on top of that, you're not letting your, or making your defender work. Your defender is basically taking a mini breather every time they're on the defensive end of the floor. 
So if you're a team that likes to play fast, likes to play with pace, and wants to try and tire out your opponents, you're really sabotaging yourself. In the fourth quarter, the Kings' movement was far better. You saw cutters off the ball. We saw some off-ball screens from time to time. Even if uh, a player wasn't involved in a play, they were rotating and moving to keep spacing going when something was happening on the other end of the floor. We saw multiple Kings attacking the basket, getting involved in the paint. There was a moment where Tyrese Halliburton attacked the basket, drew two defenders, passed to Chemezi Metu, who had a good look. Rather, I'm sorry, passed to Mo Harkless, who had a good look. He was crashed on by two or three defenders, and he just had a quick little dump-off shuffle pass to Chemezi Metu, who ended up having an easy either dunk or layup in the lane. Like that, that is good ball movement. That is good effort. That takes communication. That takes a team being on the same wavelength but that is so much better than had Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton attacked and either had to kick the ball out to um, Mo Harkless, who we know has struggled from shooting a three-point range, or maybe Mo is still in the paint and gets that ball and is forced to shoot over two defenders or dribble the ball out if Chemezi Metu isn't there because he's standing on the perimeter with his man on him. Movement off the ball is so important, and I don't know if it's something that is too complicated for the Kings to grasp overall, I don't know if this team is sometimes too lazy to make those extra efforts. I understand it could be hard to do that for 82 games in a season, especially when you're the dog days of a seven-game losing streak. But it's something that I personally would like to see more out of the Kings offense. Damian Jones and Shemezi Metu are such a fun story for the Sacramento Kings. And, and the two of them were so important uh, in the Kings outscoring the Nets 29 to 15 in the fourth quarter in the Kings can, or uh, yeah, in, in keeping the momentum for the Kings after they built up to a 10 point lead. The next Nets would score a couple of baskets to get it down to eight or to six. And I think it was Chemezi Metu who had a, a clutch three point play to make it a nine point game again and really take the wind out of the sails of the Nets with like two or three minutes remaining. Metu and Jones have not always been great. They've had their fair share of struggles. But at the same time, the two of them have proven to continue to be hard workers and be, if nothing else, reliable. Now, being reliable doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. But Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones, I feel when they're in the game, I know what I'm going to get out of them. I know what their pitfalls are. I know what their shortcomings are. I know they might not be better than a Rashawn Holmes or than a Harrison Barnes. But I know what I'm going to get out of the two of them, which is effort and intensity. And this Kings team has been lacking both over the last couple of weeks. And the fact that Chemezi Metu was a two-way contract last season, the fact that Damian Jones had two 10-day contracts last season, then both were offered guaranteed contracts coming into this year, but still came into training camp at the bottom of the rotation behind Tristan Thompson, behind Marvin Bagley, behind Alex Len, behind Rashawn Holmes. And yet here they are when the Kings are in the absolute dumps on a seven-game losing streak after just a horrific January, here they are playing hard and helping drag this team out of a seven-game losing streak. Got to give them a lot of credit for that. And I have to give a lot of credit to Buddy Heald. I have bagged on Buddy Heald more than any other King this season. And to me, rightfully so. I still think the Kings are going to be a better team when, not if, when they trade Buddy Heald. If Buddy Heald is the Sacramento King on February 11th, there's probably going to be hell to pay, at least from the fan base. But Buddy tonight was good. 7 of 16 shooting from the field, 3 of 9 from three-point range, not great. 
but I will take single digits and three-point attempts from Buddy Heald. In the fourth quarter in particular, he had a couple of moments where instead of chucking up a three, he dribbled either to the lane, got a shot at the rim, or got a mid-range jumper, which went in, and then used that to open up his three-point game. Wasn't phenomenal. Also had a moment in the fourth quarter where Buddy Heald hit a catch-and-shoot transition three off of a feed from Davion Mitchell after the Kings got a stop, which reminded me of 2018 under Dave Yeager, the season that got Buddy Heald paid. Buddy was solid. Buddy contributed in a significant way to this Kings win. Buddy Heald was very important to the Kings putting together the fourth quarter run that they did to win this game. And I'm glad that Buddy was still on the floor, that Alvin Gentry stuck with Buddy, stuck with Davion, stuck with Tyree, stuck with Metu and Jones. Even if that lineup was tired and had played basically the entire fourth quarter together, and Mo Harkless was in there as well. It was a sprinkling, really, of those six players. I'm glad the Kings stuck with those six because those six are the reason why the Kings won this game, and they were playing well. They deserved those minutes because... They won this game and buddy was a part of that. I have to give him credit for that. We'll talk a little bit about fan attendance before we rack up uh, today's podcast. But before that, I want to tell you more about built bars. And at this point, if you've been listening to Locked on Kings for a while, you're probably tired of me telling you about built bars, but I hope you'd be so tired of it because you know for yourselves what built bars are like, and you don't need to hear it from me anymore. Built Bars are delicious. They're phenomenal protein bars that taste like candy bars covered in 100% chocolate. So many different flavors for you to try. They're delicious and they taste as advertised. If you're biting into a mint brownie Built Bar, for me, you taste mint chocolate chip ice cream. If you're biting into a coconut almond bar, you get a little bit of that, uh, that Caribbean flavor and that deliciousness that you would expect. If you're biting into a fruity raspberry or orange bar, you get that fruit flavor. You don't just taste protein supplement Uh, like you normally do in other protein bars, protein smoothies, and uh, protein-based healthy foods. Protein uh, or built Bars are extremely healthy for you. Covered in 100% chocolate, like I said. Massive benefit, 17 grams of protein in each bar, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. Compare that to a candy bar, which built Bars replace candy bars, and candy bars are normally at 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. It's a win across the the board. And if you're still working on those new year's resolutions to lose weight or get in shape, built bars can help you with that while replacing that sweet tooth that I know we all possess. Go to built.com, use promo code locked 15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at bills.com. I was very interested tonight in seeing what the King's attendance was going to be. Now I didn't go to the game. I haven't gone to a game since maybe early December, maybe late November. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've been in the golden one center. Half of that was a personal decision to protect my, uh, my, my, my child, my son, uh, who was born not too long ago. And with all the COVID and Omicron stuff flying around the NBA, just, I, I I didn't want to risk it. That was, so that's part of my decision. The other part of my decision was that I, I haven't felt that this Kings team was worth me making the effort to go, especially when I work early in the mornings the following day and would have only a, a few hours of sleep. It's much better for me to just to watch the game from home, record a podcast for you, uh, and hit the hay. It's way more worth it than watching this Kings team play. That being said, I saw pictures of what the crowd looked like tonight, and I'll be honest with you, it was better than I expected. 
And I don't know if that's because it was the Brooklyn Nets in town. A lot of people were there to go see Kyrie and, and see James Harden. And I imagine that was the case to some extent, but it, it was a pretty solid Kings crowd. They were noisy, noticeable over at least the television for me during the, that Kings fourth quarter run. So I was pleasantly surprised, truthfully, pleasantly surprised to see that kind of crowd supporting a Kings team on a seven game losing streak after a horrific five game road trip. That being said, it still wasn't even close to what we expect and have gotten used to as a normal Kings home court advantage and Kings home crowd inside the Golden One Center. Something that really hasn't been there at all since maybe even opening day of this season. And I believe, I, I can't remember who exactly it was. There was an ESPN reporter uh, for uh, that covers the NBA at, at the game tonight. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm apologize, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, and he posted a picture of the crowd and basically said that King's attendance was bad and, and like, Oh man, look at this. This is, this is terrible. And naturally when it's a national reporter and his account tweeting things like this out, it's going to be picked up by everybody, not just fans in Sacramento. Now, when I post stuff like that, I, I normally get that Sacramento Kings fan response, which is I wanted to go to games or it's just not worth it for me to go to games or the prices aren't worth it. Or I'm happy to watch from home or man, I'm disappointed too. I'm at the game and I wish there were more people here like it, it normally is. Like that's the responses I expect. I also respect uh, expect responses like I saw on this tweet of fans from Brooklyn, fans from wherever the hell, other NBA city or just a market maybe that doesn't have the NBA saying, oh my God, the Kings don't get any support in Sacramento. I saw one tweet and said, how long is the NBA going to pretend like Sacramento works as an NBA city? It's like, ridiculous stuff like this. And and all I have to say about that, and I thought about tweeting it out, but it really, really wasn't worth the response. And I know I saw a lot of Kings fans reacting to that on social media with anger and frustration. And I get that because the one thing that should never be questioned about the Sacramento Kings, you can question everything else about this Kings team, everything else. The one thing that should not be questioned about the Kings is the fan support. And anybody who has a basic understanding of NBA basketball, anybody who has a basic understanding of NBA markets and a, even a smidgen of an idea of what basketball is in Sacramento to Sacramento Kings fans, they would never, ever, ever question why Sacramento is an NBA city. They would understand that fans are choosing not to support a product that once again is terrible and disappointing for the 16th straight freaking season. It's more than justifiable for fans not to spend their money and their time to go to a Wednesday night game for a team that just want their, won their 19th game, a team with playoff aspirations coming into the season that is now looking at the seller of the Western Conference again. If people cannot grasp that and people don't understand that, let them not understand. Don't bother in trying to explain it to them because half they probably don't care enough to listen anyway because if they paid attention, they would know that Sacramento fan support has been better than other small and medium and some large markets who have had significantly more success than the Kings have had in the last two decades. Really all I had to say about that. Don't let that stuff bother you. Even if it bothers me a little bit, we really shouldn't. Because anybody with a brain, any player, anybody that you ask about Sacramento 
who has been around the NBA and who understands the NBA will tell you, man, it sucks that the Kings continue to be bad because that's one of the best fan bases in the NBA and they deserve better. How many people have we heard say that? Former players, current players, coaches. How many people have we heard say that exact thing? Way more than we've seen tweets from Joe Schmo, fake NBA fan, or, or clueless NBA fan beyond a couple of teams saying Sacramento isn't a good NBA market. All right, enough of that negativity. Let's get that crap out of here. The Kings won a basketball game, okay? We can end tonight's podcast feeling good. We can be positive. It's nice that the Kings won. I understand there's probably some Kings fans out there listening that are maybe a little disappointed because they're on the Kings tanking train and they would love to see the Kings lose as many games as possible to hopefully secure a top draft pick. I get that. I would just try and, I guess make you feel better by saying that the Kings are still going to lose plenty of games for the remainder of the season. So don't worry. One win every now and then isn't going to hurt things too much. But all I know is it's, it's nice to at least talk about a winning basketball game, not a winning team. Even if they won tonight, they're not a winning team, but they won a game. (laughs) And based off of how these last few weeks have gone, it's nice to be able to say that here on locked on Kings. I appreciate your support as always tomorrow. The Kings go right back to work. They're right back on the road. This time they're just uh, hopping on 80 and and heading uh, westbound for a couple hours, maybe hour and a half. And they will uh, head to the Chase Center and take on a Golden State Warriors team that I'm fully expecting to wipe the floor with the Kings, especially on the second night of a back-to-back. But that's tomorrow. We can worry about that tomorrow. As for tonight, it's a win, and we can celebrate that. But regardless of what happens, the plan is for me to be back tomorrow night for a a, a post-game pod after that. And then on Friday... Uh, I am compiling a, or I have already compiled a bunch of my positive and optimistic Kings takes from the start of this season. Basically, I'm playing all those for you so we can all laugh at my foolishness and silliness. And I know these were takes that many of you agreed with, but that being said, you didn't say it, I did. So we're going to laugh at at my expense and maybe cringe a little bit at some of the hope and positivity that I had about this Kings team. It's meant to just make a lighthearted or try to make a lighthearted effort overall at uh, the the struggles that we've dealt with over the last month, to say the least. And of course, the NBA trade deadline gets closer and closer with with each passing day. Any rumors, anything that actually happens, uh, we will discuss. That includes maybe emergency podcasts and things like that happening. So make sure you're paying attention to the drop schedule of Locked on Kings pods. You always do. I really appreciate that. You've been leaving reviews recently, which is great. Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast there. Hit five stars there. Also hit five stars if you listen on Spotify really helps us out. I appreciate that. Those watching on YouTube, subscribe, uh, hit that notification bell. Make sure to keep commenting. The discussions in the comments are fantastic for every podcast. The numbers there have been so much better than what I expected in just the first half a year or half a se- or season uh, of uh, Lockdown Kings on YouTube. So I really appreciate that support. You all are incredible. I love you so, so much and can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Lockdown Kings, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you.